Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Great to see y'all here. We're going to have an awesome time tonight. We're going to have a blast. We're going to get into 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2, Psalm 37, 71, 94. And we're also going to get into Psalm 119. For those of you who don't know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, but it's the most... I can't say the most, but it's one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible because it talks about the Torah every all the way through it. And it is absolutely awesome. Uh, it's actually right in the middle of most Bibles. It's right pretty much right in the in the uh, in the middle of almost every Bible. You open up the Bible to, you know, you figure about, about the middle, you open it up and it's, it's, you're going to be very close to Psalm 119. So we have an awesome, awesome time tonight. Uh, in the chat, we have one John says shalom, Calamento says shalom, Matthew says very beautiful. I bless. I, I assume that's talking about the uh, music that we have. By the way, that was live music by Hannah, and she was just playing. She she uh, does live music for us every every evening. Uh, going nowhere says yes. By the way, shalom, shalom. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Psalm 94 says shalom, everyone. Shalom. Good to see you guys. Blessings multiplied to you guys abundantly. We got question for move over there on TikTok. Good to see you. Jerry says shalom. Jerry, good to see you. Tammy says shalom all. Shalom, Tammy. Welcome, welcome. Blessings multiplied to you guys. And we've got, um, we got uh, a live podcast running on Podbean as well. So let's get right into this. Uh, we're going to start with 1 Kings chapters 1 and 2. Then we're going to jump on over to the Psalms. And again, uh, I'm going to I'm going to read Psalm 119 at the at the end because I mean that's that's a good uh that's a good way to end the night, isn't it? Psalm 119. That's awesome. Absolutely amazing. So let's do this. This is uh 1 Kings chapter 1 to begin with. David in old age, verse 1. Now King David was old, advanced in age, and they covered him with garments, but he could not keep warm. So his servants said to him, Have them search for a young virgin for my lord the king, and have her attend the king and become his, his nurse, and have her lie on your chest, so that the lord may uh, so the lord the king may keep warm. So they searched for a beautiful girl throughout the territory of Israel and found Abishag. Uh, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she became she became the king's nurse and served him. But the king did not become intimate with her. Uh, now Adon, Adonia, Adonijah, Adonia, uh, the son of Hagit, uh, exalted himself. So I will be king. So he prepared himself chariots and horsemen uh, with fifty men to run before him. And his father had never rebuked him at any time by asking, why have you done so? And he was also a very handsome man, and he was born after Absalom. Now, he had conferred, conferred with Joab, uh, the son of Zeru, Zeruiah, with Ab, Abiathar, the priest, and they allied themselves with Adoniah. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shemai, Rai, Rai, uh, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adoniah. Adoniah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fatted steers by the stone of 
Zoheleth, uh, which is beside Enrogel. And he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the mighty men, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adoniah, the son of Hagit, or Hagith, uh, has become king, and our Lord does not know it? So now come, please let me give you, you advice and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you not, my lord the king, sworn to your servant, saying, Solomon, your son, certainly shall have uh, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? Behold, while you are still there speaking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba entered to the king in the bedroom. Uh, now the, the king was very old, and Abishag, the Shunammite, was serving the king. When Beth, Bathsheba bowed and prostrated herself before the, <coughs> excuse me, before the king. Um, so then, then Bathsheba bowed and prostrated herself before the king. And the king said, what is on your mind? So she said to him, my lord, you yourself swore to your servant, my uh, by the by the Lord your God, saying, "Your son Solomon certainly shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne." Now behold, Adonijah is king, and now, my Lord the king, you do not know it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted steers and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king. Abiathar, the priest, and Joab, the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon, your servant. As, and as for you, my lord, the king, eyes of all Israel are upon you to announce to them who shall sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. Otherwise, it, it will come about as sword the king lies down with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be considered offenders. And behold, while she was still speaking to uh, speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet came in. They informed the king, saying, Nathan the prophet is here. And when he came to the king's presence, he prostrated himself before the king with his face to the ground. Then Nathan said, My lord the king, have you yourself said, Adonijah shall be, uh, shall be king after me, and, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and sacrificed oxen and fatted steers and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's sons and commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. And behold, they are eating and drinking in his presence. And they say, Long live King Adonijah! But me, even me, your servant, Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he has not invited. Has this thing been done by my lord the king? And, and you have not let your servants know who shall sit on the throne of the Lord, the king after him, excuse me, of my Lord, the king after him. Then King David responded and said, Summon Bethshemi. She came into the king's presence and stood before the king. Then the king vowed and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all distress, 
Certainly, as I vowed to you by the Lord, the the God of Israel, saying, Your son Solomon certainly shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. I will do so this day. Then Bathsheba bowed her face to the ground, with her face to the ground, and prostrated herself before the king, and said, May my lord, King David, live forever. King David said, Summon to me Sadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah son of Jehoiada. And they came into the king's presence. And the king said to them, Take with you the servants of my lord, and have my son Solomon ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there as king over Israel, and blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, and he shall be king in my place, for I have him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say the same. Just as the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Sadoc, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, uh, the Kerithites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest then took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went went up after him, and the people were playing on flutes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth at their noise. Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard this and finished eating. When Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Why is the city making such an uproar? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, came. And and Adoniah said, Come in, for you are a valiant man, and you bring good news. But Jonathan replied, Adoniah, on the contrary, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has also sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Kerithites and the Pelethites, and they have mounted him on the king's mule. Furthermore, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king in Gihon, and they have come up from there rejoicing, so that the city is going wild. This is the noise which you have heard. Besides, Solomon has even taken his seat on the throne of kingdom. Moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David, saying, May our God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And the king has all said this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted one to sit on my throne today, while my own eyes see it. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and got up and went, each went his own, uh, each went on his way. Adonijah also was afraid of Solomon, and he got up and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. 
Now it was reported to Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for behold, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, May King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And King Solomon said, If he is a worthy man, not one of his hairs will fall to the ground. But if wickedness is found in him, he will die. So King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down to, from the altar. And he came and prostrated himself before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go, go to your house. 1 Kings chapter 2. As David's time drew excuse me, as David's time to die drew near, he commanded his son Solomon saying, I am going the way of all the earth. So be strong and prove yourself a man. Do your duty to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses so that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. Again. Um, if I can add here, this is, this, this is the reason, right? So that you may succeed, right? This is, this is the actual purpose of the Torah, right? Uh, the statutes, the commandment ordinances, the testimonies, that which is written in the law of Moses. It's not so that you may know you're a sinner. It's not what the purpose of the Torah is. The purpose of the Torah is so that you may succeed, or as it says many other times in the scriptures, so that it may be well with you. Because the Torah itself, the law of God, is, is actually um, an extension of God. It is God's grace to, uh, to his people. So that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may fulfill his promise, which he spoke regarding me, saying, if your sons are careful about their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and all their soul, not be deprived of, of a man to occupy the throne of Israel. Now you yourself also know that Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did, did to me Excuse me. Uh, let me. Now you yourself also know what Joab or Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner the son of Ner, and to Amasa or Amasa, the son of Yether, whom he killed. He also shed bl the blood of war in peace. And he put the blood of war on his belt that was on his waist and on his sandals that was on his feet. So act as your wisdom dictates and do not let this, his gray hair go down to Sheol in peace. Uh, however, show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, uh, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For they assisted me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. And behold, you have with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, Benjaminite of Bahurim. Now it was he who cursed me with a painful curse on the day that I went to Mahanaim. But when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him, I, the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. But now, do not leave him unpunished, 
for you are a wise man and you will know what you, what to do to him and you will bring his you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with blood or to the grave with blood then david lay down with his fathers and he was buried in the city of david in the footnotes lay down uh died i.e. died with his fathers and he it was buried in the city of david now the the days that david reigned over israel were 40 years let me just stop here for a second cuz this is very interesting i think that everyone should know this notice this days is synonymous with ye- it, it's used synonymously with years cuz you see a lot of people that read the way they read the scriptures is they read it in a very hyper sense. They they read it very hyper literal. So what I'm saying is like if we only had part of this verse, most Christians would say, well, it says days, it doesn't say weeks, it doesn't say months, it doesn't say years. So it can't be years, it can't be months, it can't be weeks. It can only be days because it says days. But obviously in this context, days means years. The days that David reigned over Israel were 40 years. Notice it doesn't say the years that David reigned over the king uh, over Israel. So, I mean, that's a really, really good point. I think that we should all take note of that, especially when it comes to these kind of words in the scriptures, day, year, week, this kind of thing. It's not necessarily always literal or, you know, we should not take it in a hyper literal sense. Like a day is, is a 24 hour day. No, a day can be a year as it is here. Pretty much. I mean, so to so to say now the days that david reigned over israel were 40 years in hebron he reigned for seven years and in jerusalem in jerusalem he reigned for 33 years then Saul sat on the throne of his father david and his kingdom was firmly established now adoniah the son of Hagith, came to bathsheba of solomon uh, so she said, do you come peacefully? He said, peacefully. Then he said, I have something to say to you. She said, speak. So he said, you yourself know that the kingdom was mine and that all Israel intended for me to be king. The kingdom has turned around and become my brother's for it was, uh, it was his from the Lord. So now I am making one request of you. Do not refuse me. She said to him, speak. Then then he said, please speak to Solomon, the king. (laughs) He's trying to get to Solomon through his mother. Please speak to Solomon, the king, for he will not refuse you. He will not refuse you that he may give me Abishag, the the Shunammite, as a wife. Now, again, let me just pause here for a second. Uh, I, I, how I take this and what I see here is the whole thing, the whole thing about Adoniah becoming king was all because of Abishag. Before Abishag was on the scene, Adoniah wasn't interested in becoming king at all. As soon as Abishag came on the scene, you know, as beautiful and as, as attractive as she was, Abishag just like, oh yeah, okay, I want to become king. I'm becoming king. Doesn't matter. You know? If uh, if David can get Abishag, but Abishag wasn't, I mean, 
it, there was no uh, serious connection there. Uh, if David, you know, if Abishag uh, uh, was given to David because he was king, I'll become king now. I'll get Abishag. So that's that's what I believe the motive was to begin with. It wasn't uh, for any other th reason, really. Um, at least the primary motive was Abishag, I should say. Verse 18, and Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak to the king for you. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonai. And they stood to meet her, bowed to her, and sat on his throne. Then he had a throne set up for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Then she said, I am making one small request of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adoniah, your brother, as a wife. But King Solomon answered and said to his mother, And why are you requesting Abishag the Shunammite for Adoniah? Request for him the kingdom as well? since he is my older brother, for him, uh, for Ab Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah, or Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May the Lord God, may, may God do so to me, and more so, if Adoniah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now then, as the Lord lives, who has established me and set me on the throne of, of David my father, and has made me a house just as he promised, Adonijah certainly shall be put to death today. Yeah, they didn't play around, did they? For those of you who are just joining us, I'm reading from 1 Kings chapter 2. This is 25, verse 25. Then King Solomon sent the order by Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him so that he died. <laughs> yeah, that was <sighs> plain and simple, plain and simple, uh, done. Verse 26, then to Abiathar, the priest, the king said, go to Anathoth, to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I, but I will not put you to death at this time because you carried a, you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. Excuse me. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord to fulfill the word of the Lord, which, was, which he had spoken regarding the house of Eli at Shiloh. Verse 8. Now the news came to Joab, because Joab uh, had followed Adoniah, though he had not followed Absalom. So Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was reported to King Solomon that Joab had fled to, fled to the tent of the Lord and was beside the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go execute him. So Benaiah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, This is what the king has said, come out. But he said, No, for I will die here. So Benaiah brought back word to the king, saying, 
This is what Joab spoke, and so he answered me. And the king said to him, Do just as he has spoken, and execute him and bury him, so that you may remove from me and from my father's house the blood which Joab shed without justification. The Lord will return his blood on his own head because he struck two men more righteous and better than he. Notice, more righteous. There are degrees of righteousness. It's not like something that is a on and off switch. It's, there are degrees of righteousness. And he killed them with the sword while my father David did not know about it. Abner, the son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Yether, commander of the army of Judah. So their blood shall return on the head of and on the head of his descendants forever. Wow. Not only punished Joab, but also all of his descendants forever. Again, very, very serious. But David and his descendants and his house and his throne, may there be peace from the Lord forever. Then Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck him and put him to death. And he was buried at his own house in the wilderness. And the king appointed Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the army in his place. And the king appointed Zadok, the priest, in place of Abiathar. Now the king sent men and summoned Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there. And do not leave there for any other place. For on the day you leave and cross the brook Kidron, you will know for certain that you will assuredly die. Your blood will be on your own head. By the way, for those of you who are not familiar with this kind of terminology, your blood will be on your own head. What that means is simply you will be responsible for your death. Nobody else will be responsible. Uh, verse 38, Shammai then said to the king, the word is good. Just as my Lord, the king has spoken, so your servant shall do. So Shammai lived in Jerusalem for many days. But it came about at the end of three, two of Shammai's servants ran away to Akish, son of Maaka, Gath. And others told Shammai, saying, Behold, your servants are in Gath. Then Shammai got up and saddled his donkey and went to Akish and uh, to search for his servants. And Shammai went and brought his servants from Gath. And it was reported to Solomon that Shammai had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned. So the king sent and summoned Shammai and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you depart and go anywhere, you shall assuredly die? And you have said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord? and the command which I imposed on you. The king also said to Shammai, you yourself know all the evil that you acknowledge in your heart, which, which you did to my father David. Therefore, the Lord will return your evil on your own head, but King Solomon will be blessed, and the, and the throne of David will be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him so that he died. And the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. So that's it for 
the reading of First Kings, chapters 1 and 2. Let me check the comments quickly here, and then we'll jump into the Psalms. The Psalms is always a great blessing as well. Felix says hello over there on TikTok. Hello, Felix. Welcome, welcome. And we have several more joining us over here on YouTube as well. Deborah says shalom. Shalom, Deborah. Welcome. Vinny says shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Welcome, welcome. Will Sr. says shalom, everyone. Delights studying as as a, as always. Welcome, Will Sr. Great to have you as always. One John says, David's burial place is still in the city of David today. It can be visited. More proof for the Bible. Yes, it's very awesome. Very awesome. You know, the the tomb of Noah, the tomb, many of these tombs as well, they're all still available. They're all they they're all there. The tomb of um Abraham, you know, as well. Caballero says, Hello, Christopher. Hello, Caballero. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. I'll get to your question in a moment there going nowhere. I'll just let's let's get this stuff out of the way first here. Um and if there's any any other questions as well in regards to what we're reading especially, um feel free to drop that in the live chat and I'll get to that as 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 we go along. So let's uh let's read Psalm 37, 37. Psalm 37 Security of those who trust in the Lord and insecurity of the wicked. See, I mean, hey, to treat those who trust in him and the wicked equally, right? Again, we, we the other night we spoke about, uh, the, you know, whether or not God loves everybody. Well, he certainly doesn't love everybody the same. I mean, God here, he gives, he gives those who trust in him security and those who do not trust in him insecurity. A Psalm of David. This is Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not get upset because of evildoers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do not, do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. For they will wither qu quickly like the grass. They will wither quickly like the grass. Let's not forget that all of these kind of things are all of God. I mean, it's God's... It's God's work, um, you know, the whole thing about um, right from the Garden of Eden, uh, the uh, the punishment of, of death that was inflicted on Adam and Eve was actually God's idea. It was all God's idea. It was all God's plan, uh, at least considering the circumstances that they were in. Psalm 37, verse 2, for they will wither quickly like the grass and decay like the green plants. Wow, that's pretty graphic. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Very interesting. Uh, in the footnotes, feed securely or feed on his faithfulness. Um, just out of curiosity, let's let's see what this word faithfulness is. I'm just wondering if it is amuna in the Hebrew. Amuna. If it is, it'd be a very interesting. We'll see what it says here. Um, 
Uh, I think I get there. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. It doesn't really, thou shalt be fed. So it doesn't really say anything about faithfulness here. Oh, it is. Sorry. The word very here, verily, that's the one that threw me off. It is a muna. It is a muna. Okay. So uh, this is actually the same, the Hebrew form of, uh, uh, of the Greek uh, that is used quite often in the New Testament about faith, right? Especially in the epistles of Paul. Dwell in the land and feed on faith, basically. Very interesting. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, of course, uh, I know uh, this is a very famous verse. A lot of Christians quote this, and of course, the idea is he won't give he won't give you all the desires of your heart unless you delight yourself in the Lord first. So once you de- once you delight yourself in the Lord, then you'll have your your heart in the right place. Then you'll have your mind in the right place, and then you'll be asking the right things. Your desire, the desires of your heart, will be in line with Him, uh, and so that's why He will give you the desires of your heart. Verse five: Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. He will bring out your righteousness as the light and your judgment as noonday. By the way, this word judgment does not have a negative connotation. It's not talking about being condemned. Uh, This word judgment in this context is talking about being blessed. Don't forget that uh, a judge can uh, pass a judgment down to you in a, uh, in a, uh, um, uh, you know, to condemn you or to bless you or, you know, to, um, uh, to exonerate you. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord. Rest. Be still. Be still. And wait patiently for him, longingly for him. Do not get upset because of one who is successful in his way, because of the person who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and abandon wrath. Do not get upset. It only leads to evil doing. For evildoers will be eliminated. <laughs> and But those who wait on the Lord, they will inherit the land. Again, see, so this is talking about in a very worldly sense, in an earthly sense, you would say. So you got a juxtaposed to it's either you inherit the land or you're you're not even in the land. You're eliminated. Verse 10. Yet a little while and the wicked person will be no more. You know, let me just stop for a second. It's very, it's very easy, especially for people who are not really grounded very well in God. It's easy for people to uh to fear man. Uh, the fear of man is a snare, as it says. It's a, it's a trap. Uh, but one of the ways to get out of that fear of man is to see that to see man for what he really is, especially a wicked man, um, and to understand that this wicked man is only temporary. In the wicked wickedness is only temporary as well, and it won't be long before that wicked man will be dried up as the grass, and and all of his glory or like all of his riches will fall away just like the flowers of the field. Yet in a little while, and the wicked person will be no more. 
Last part of verse 10, and you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. So you see, again, there's this idea of, this is talking about in an earthly sense, right? It's inheriting the land. This is not not talking about inheriting land in in paradise, per se. It's talking about inheriting the land on earth, abundant prosperity on earth. Just in the same way, it's talking about being no more basically uh, known on earth. Uh, and his place will not be there. Verse 12, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. Not very many times you see in the scriptures saying that the Lord laughs. This is one of the very few times. I believe the other time is um, in, uh, where is it now? One of the earlier Psalms, Psalm 1, Psalm 2, slips in my mind right now. It's only a few times in the scriptures you ever you ever read something like this where the Lord laughs at him. Where the, where the Lord laughs at anything. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to take down the afflicted and the needy, to kill off those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken. But the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, blameless in the footnotes, the complete or perfect And their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the days of famine, they will have plenty. But the wicked will perish. And the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back. But the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land. But those cursed by him will be eliminated. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled down, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I will. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging for bread. All, all day long he is gracious and lands, and his descendants are a blessing from evil and do good, so that you will dwell forever. The Lord loves justice, for the Lord loves justice and does not abandon his godly ones. They are protected forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be eliminated. Wow. Hmm. The descendants of the wicked will be eliminated. The righteous will inherit the land and will dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. He steps to do, to do his steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, 
and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are eliminated, you will see it. I have seen a wicked, violent person spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and behold, he was no more. I searched for him, but I could not find him. He could not be found. Observe the blameless person and look at the upright, for the person of peace will have a future. But wrongdoers will altogether be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be eliminated. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Psalm 71. Prayer of an old man for rescue. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and save me. Extend your ear to me and help me. Be to me a rock of dwelling to, to which I may continue. Come. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Save my God from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the wrongdoer and the ruthless. For you are my hope, Lord God. You are my confidence from my youth. I have leaned on you since my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have become a marvel to many, for you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your Glory all day long. Do not cast me away at the time of my old age. Do not abandon me when my strength fails. For my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch for my life has, have come together, saying, God has abandoned him. Pursue and seize him. There is no one to save him. God, do not be far from me. My God, hurry to my aid. May those who are my enemies, or enemies of my soul, be put to shame and consumed. May they be covered with disgrace and dishonor who seek to injure me. But as for me, I will wait continually. I will, and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all day long. For I do not know the art of writing. I will come with the with the mighty deeds of the Lord of the Lord God. I will mention of your righteousness, yours alone. God, you have taught me from my youth and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens who have done you who have done great things, God, who you? In the in the Hebrew, Mikamoka, who is like you? You who have sworn have shown me many troubles and distresses will revive me again. Again, this is the promise of the resurrection, and 
will bring me up again from the depths of a promise of the resurrection there. May you increase my greatness and turn to comfort me. The ascension, the glorification of his name. I will pray, I will also praise you with a harp and your truth and your truth, my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also will of your righteousness all day long. For they are put to shame, for they are humiliated who seek my harm. Psalm 94. Psalm 94. The Lord implored to invent to avenge his people. Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Avenging acts. Rise up, judge of the earth. By the way, there, uh, if you're still listening there, Psalm 94, here's your psalm, Psalm 94. Rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back retribution to the proud. How long, Lord, shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? They pour out words. They speak arrogantly. All who do injustice boast. They crush your people, Lord, and afflict your inheritance. They kill the widow and the stranger and murder the orphans. They have said the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob perceive. Pay attention, you, you stupid ones among the people. And when will you understand, foolish ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, will he not rebuke? He who teaches mankind knowledge, the Lord, the Lord knows human thoughts for uh, that they are a mere breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, Lord, and whom you teach from your law, so that you may grant him relief from all or from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he abandon his inheritance. For judgment will again be be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand up for me against the evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do injustice? Imagine the Lord himself asking this, God himself asking this. Very, very powerful. By the way, those of you who are just joining, I see we have other ones just joining here. Uh, I am reading Psalm 94, verse 16. Who will stand up for me, says God, against the evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do injustice? If the Lord had not been my help, soul would soon have dwelt in the land of silence. If I should say my foot has slipped, your faithfulness, Lord, will support me. 
When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comfort delights my soul. The throne of destruction be allied with you. One which devises mischief by decree. They band themselves together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has been my refuge. And my God, the rock of my refuge. He has brought back their injustice upon them, and he will destroy them in their evil. The Lord our God will destroy them. And over there on YouTube, we have Psalm 94 says, yes, thank you. This is my psalm. All right. Fasten your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts, everyone. Here we go. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Speak about usernames. I'm wondering if Psalm 119 is, is listening to us tonight. Psalm 119. Here we are. Now, uh, before I read this, keep in mind, Psalm 119 is, um, I, you know, the actual word is actually slipping my mind right now, but it's a song that uh, each part of this song begins with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, now you can't really see it here, right? Oh, I see. I see what happened here. Because right in the very beginning, it says Aleph. So Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Bet or Beth is the second. So this is a bait here. Aleph, Bet. And then Vet is after that. I don't know. Excuse me. Bet and Vet are the same. Gimel is, this, is the third. Okay. So uh, in the Hebrew, the first word of each section begins with the letter of that section. So for example, Aleph, the first word here begins with Aleph in the Hebrew. And Beit, the first word here in the Hebrew begins with Beit. Uh, and so Gimel, the first word here begins with Gimel. Okay. And so on and so forth, all the way through the, the Hebrew alphabet. Dalit, the first word in the Hebrew original begins with Dalit here. Okay. So, so this is how it goes throughout this entire Psalm uh, going through the entire Hebrew alphabet, uh, letter by letter. Um, each letter also has a numeric value and also uh, a meaning as well, uh, which is very interesting. And Aleph, for example, means like ox or strong or leader, this kind of thing. Um, Bait actually means in, uh, you know, uh, the word bait or house it could mean house uh, gimel this is a, a camel I guess uh, what it means actually camel it's where, where it's where we get our word um, word camel from as well as from gimel anyway let's go on let's do this Psalm 119 the longest chapter in the Bible one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible every single word every single verse I should say deals with the Torah. Again, before I start reading this, I, we should make this clear as well. Every verse 
of this psalm, all 176 verses, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes, it does. 176 verses, all 176 verses of this song, psalm, um, every verse is talking about the Torah. Different terminology, but the same meaning. It's the Torah. For example, law, and uh, testimonies is the testimony of the Torah. Um, his ways, the ways that are known in the Torah, the precepts are the precepts of the Torah. The statutes are the statutes of the Torah. Commandments, of course, that's of the Torah. Judgments, though, that's talking about the Torah as well. Again, we got statutes again here, and, and on and on it goes. Your word, right? So the word of God, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this, uh, the, if there's if there's anything that's considered to be the word of God, it's the Torah. Some some people, including the Sadducees and the Samaritans, believe that the Torah is the only word of God, and the, and the prophets are not necessarily the word of God. It's just the Torah. And that's because of the way that the Torah was brought, especially the Torah uh, that, that was brought through Moses publicly for everyone to see and hear. Um, publicly, uh, nobody had to test it. Nobody had to... Uh, question Moses whether he was legit or not. It was all done in a public manner. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he didn't have to convince anybody that he's a prophet, okay? Actually, everybody was actually going to him saying, listen, Moses, please go talk to you. Can you just go by yourself to, with God? I mean, we can't stand this anymore. We'll, we'll die if we hear God's voice anymore. Uh, so that's if there's anything that's considered to be the word, it's, it's, it's the Torah. So please understand, as I read every one of these 176 verses, every verse is talking about the Torah in one way or another, whether it says commandments, whether it says your word. Uh, again, your word here, statutes, uh, testimonies, precepts, all of these, all of these things are all different fa facets of the, of the Torah. All right, let's begin. First, we're going to start with Aleph. First letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. <sighs> I can't help but stop here for a second. You know why? Because... Most Christians today, they say the opposite. The, oh, you're cursed if you walk in the law of the Lord, right? Isn't that what they say? Isn't that what they say? The opposite is true. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who comply with his testimonies. Again, the testimonies of the law. Uh, and seek him with all their heart. They also do no injustice. They walk in his ways. His ways after Torah, right? As, as made known in the Torah. You have ordained your precepts that they are, are to keep them diligently. Right? They are to keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I will not be named when I look at all your commandments. I will give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. These are the judgments that we read of in the Torah. Uh, 
I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly abandon me. Bait. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. Ordinances, also talking about the ordinances of the law. Think about uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 6, when Zechariah and Elizabeth walked in all of the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. They were righteous, it says. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as, I, as much as in all riches. Imagine that. Can you imagine if Christians actually like believe the Bible? Like novel idea. Can you imagine if Christians actually obey, believe the Bible and actually do it? Can you imagine if there's one Sunday that Christians have in church that they say, let us rejoice in the Torah more than in any of the riches. Let's rejoice in the Torah as if it's even greater than if we were, if we won the lottery. As many of these people play lottery anyway. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. Regard your ways. See, this is the opposite to what Christians say now. Christians, they don't meditate on the precepts of the Torah. and They don't regard the Torah. Verse 16, I shall delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Wow. Gimel. Deal generously with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I am a stranger on the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing for your ordinances at all times. You rebuke the arrogant and cursed who wander from your commandments. Take disgrace and, com and contempt away from me, for I comply with your testimonies. Even though rulers sit and speak against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delights. They are my advice. Dalit. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I can just imagine Yeshua praying this, you know. Revive me according to praying for resurrection, just like how Jonah prayed for resurrection in the belly of the fish. Revive me according to your word, according to your Torah. I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on all your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Grief, Strengthen me according to your word. 
Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. Graciously. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your judgments before me. I cling to your testimonies. Lord, do not be, do not let do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your kindness. For you will enlarge my heart. What does that mean? It means give more freedom to me. It's talking about freedom. This is by the way, you know, the scriptures say especially in the Tanakh, the the Torah is the law of liberty. That's the that's the law that James was talking about in James chapter 2, the law of liberty. For you will enlarge my heart, you know, give me give me more freedom. Hey, is the letter the Hebrew letter hey? Teach me the way of your statutes, Lord, and I shall comply with it to the end. You know, David didn't say, David didn't say, oh, you know, I'll try to keep your law. I'll try to keep the statutes. I don't know if I can. I, well, I know I can't do it because I'm just a sinner. I can't do it. No, he said, I shall comply with it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may comply with your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the paths or the path of your commands, for I delight in it. Again, the law is not a burden. The commandments are not a burden. It's not a curse. It's not sin, God forbid. It's a delight. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and do and not to dishonest gain. Turn my eyes away from looking at what is worthless and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Take away my disgrace, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Bav. May your favor also come to me, Lord your salvation according to your word so that i so that i will have an answer for one who taunts me for i trust in your word and do not take the word of god utterly out of or excuse me do not take the word of truth utter, utterly out of my mouth for i wait for your judgments so I will keep your law continually forever and ever. Remind of Acts chapter 21 when they are uh, the leaders of the New Testament church uh, advised Paul to prove to the people that he actually does walk orderly and keep the law. In direct contradiction to what mo most Christians believe, that you can't keep the law. If that's true, that a person can't keep the law, then, then <clears throat> King David here must be really stupid. 
because he says over and over again that he says, I will keep the law. Uh, I choose to believe that King David knows a whole lot more than 100% of Christians today. (laughs) 100% of Christians today. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. I will walk at liberty. See, it's not bondage. It's liberty. I For I, I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. Testimonies, of course, according to the Torah. I will delight in your commandments. Again, delight in your commandments. See, this is why today, you see, a lot of the Jewish people, they know they know more in certain ways. They know more, way more than a lot of Christians do. Christians say, oh, look at the law, it's a, it's, a, it's a bondage, it's a curse, it's, you know, it's a burden, it's a, oh, yada, yada, yada. Whereas the Jewish people are like, man, they, they celebrate, they party when they see the Torah. It's like, it, it's, a, it's a thing in which, you know, we should, we should delight in, in accordance with the word of God, by the way. I mean, here's one example out of many, as we've already read several already. I will delight in your commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments. What does that mean, lift up my hands? It means bless, not curse, not say it's bad, not say it's too heavy, but bless the commandments, bless the Torah which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Zayin, remember the word to your servant, which you have made me hope, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my misery, that your word has revived me. Again, in context here, it's talking about the Torah. The arrogant utterly deride me, Yet I do not turn aside from your law. I do not turn aside from your law. I think the antinomians and all the polys need to hear it loud. I do not turn aside from your law. Why? Because it's easy. Deuteronomy 30.11, it's easy. Verse 52, I have remembered your judgments from of old, Lord, and comfort myself. I com- in other words, David finds comfort in the judgments of the Torah. I can just, I can just imagine, I can just hear the short-circuiting in the brains of the Paulians right now. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who abandon your law. And people ask me why it seems like I'm a little bit angry sometimes in my videos. Well, maybe I should, maybe I'll just say this, right? Psalm 119.53, that's, that's, that's it right there. Psalm 119.53. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. Hello, Christians. Hello. Hello, antinomians and anomians. Where are you? This has become mine, that I comply with your precepts. Hate 
The Lord is my portion. Again, each one of these are Hebrew letters, eight or het, and be another way of pronouncing it. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. Again, if there's anything considered to be the word of God, it's the Torah back in those days. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hurried and did not delay to keep your commandments. The snares of the wicked have surrounded me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion to all those who fear you and to those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your goodness, Lord. Teach me your statutes. Tet. You have treated your servant well, Lord, according to your word. Teach me. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. <laughs> I know lots of people lie about me, too. And my heart, with all my heart, I will comply with your precepts. Their heart is insensitive, like, like fat. I delight in your law. Again, delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted. Wow, that's humility right there, people. That's humility right there. It is good for me that I was afflicted. Can you imagine, Can you imagine saying that? It is good for me that I was afflicted so that I may learn your statutes. Let me pause here for a second. Some people, they need to be afflicted in order to learn the statutes of God's ways, of God's word, of his law, of his Torah. That's just the way it is. Some people just need affliction. And God knows that. That's why he sends affliction. Verse 72. The law... Your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Isn't it funny? I, I don't remember Paul saying anything like this. Yod. Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding so that I may learn your commandments. May those who fear you see See me and be glad, because I wait for your word. I know, Lord, that your judgments are righteous, and that you have afflicted me in faithfulness. Again, let me just say, this, this word faithfulness, one of this is a Muna as well. Psalm 119.75. It is. Amuna. 
Isn't that interesting? And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because Amuna is the Hebrew form of the Greek where you read so much in the, in the New Testament about faith, you know, faith. Very interesting. There's, uh, the the so-called Old Testament, the Tanakh, uh, speaks a lot about faith, actually. But it just doesn't say faith. It says like stuff like this, faithfulness. So be, be aware when you're studying the scriptures in your own personal time. Be aware of this. Um, be mindful of this. Whenever you run across the word like faithfulness or anything like it, it's a good possibility, as we've seen so far tonight, that that is the actual word for faith, as in, as in the just shall live by faith. Verse, verse 76, may your favor comfort me according to your word to your servant. May your compassion come to me so that I may live for your law is my delight. Has anybody got a passing? Has anybody got a tally here? How many times does, does David say that the law of the Torah is a delight? Verse 78. May the arrogant be put to shame because they lead me astray with a lie. But I shall meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me and those who know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes so that I will not be ashamed. Cough. My soul languishes for your salvation. and I, I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word while they say, when will you comfort me? Or excuse me, while I say, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? Judgment. The arrogant have dug pits for me. People who are not in, a, in accord with your law. See, he has no good thing to say with anybody who breaks the law of God. Keep in mind, this is the word of God. This is also, this is the word of Yeshua. Yeshua is the word of God. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. They almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me, I did not abandon your precepts. Revive me according to your faithfulness. There we are again. So that I may keep your testimony. The testimony of your mouth. Again, what's, what does it mean here? Testimony of your mouth is talking about the testimony according to the law. You look it up in the lexicon. That's what it's talking about. The testimony according to the Torah. So this is verse 88. Just out of curiosity. See if we got Amuna here as well. Verse 88. Oh, this is interesting. It says loving kindness here instead of faithfulness. So maybe not. No, it's chesed. Chesed uh, is loving kindness. So I'm not sure why they put faithfulness in the other in the other translation. It's not a very that's not a very good translation of that word chesed. It's more like kindness. Lamed, Lamed, verse 89. Forever, Lord, your word stands in heaven. 
heaven. Again, the Torah stands in heaven forever. There's no beginning or end. It is set in stone forever in heaven. It existed before Adam, and it will, it will exist after everything is said and done here on earth. Verse 90, your faithfulness continues throughout generations. You establish the earth, and it stands. Throughout generations, in the footnote, literally two generations. Verse 91, they stand this day by your ordinances, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my misery. Wow. Again, how many Christians can say that the, the Torah is their delight? Verse 23, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I will diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. Mem. How I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. By the way, when, when a person's a certain age, you know, in, 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 in uh, Judaism, in, in, uh, boys would have a bar mitzvah. Girls would have a bat mitzvah. Bar mitzvah simply means son of the commandment. Bat mitzvah means daughter of the commandment. So what they, the idea is, is to pass the word to these youngsters so that they own it, so that they own the Torah. So it's like, it's, I'm not obeying because my parents want me to obey. I'm not obeying because of any other reason other than just, it's mine. I am part of it. I am a son of the Torah. I am a son of the commandments. I am a daughter of the commandments. The commandments are mine. Verse 99. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. This reminds me of some of the um, infancy gospels of Yeshua, where it talks about how Yeshua, Jesus had more insight than all of his teachers. And why would that be? I believe it's because of the fulfillment of the word of God here that, that he, he had more insights than all of his teachers because this Torah, the testimonies of the Torah were his meditation. Really not for any other reason. In full fulfillment of the scriptures. Verse, uh, verse 100. I understand more than those who are old because I have complied with your precepts. Wow. I have restrained my feet from every evil way so that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your judgments. See, he didn't, see, he didn't say, oh, you know, I have so many times, you know, we're all human and we sin every day. Not turn aside from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me 
How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Again, this is talking about the law of God. Sweeter than honey. For your precepts, from your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Noon. Your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, you guys probably heard that old song, Your Word, Thy Word. I can't really sing it without, I don't want to get, I don't want to get in trouble with the copyright here, but your, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So um, all the Christians that sing that song, they don't really think of it as the Torah, do they? But that's what it is. That's the context of this. Verse 106, I have sworn and will I will confirm it, that I will keep, I will keep your righteous judgments. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me according to Lord, according to your word. Be pleased to accept the voluntary offerings of my mouth, Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have a trap, have set a trap for me, yet I have not wandered from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever even to the end. Samech. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. There's some more delight in the law right here. You are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. Leave me, you evildoers, so that I may comply with the commandments of my God. Sustain me according to your word. You know what? Let me just back up here because this is what is very, very important for people who are just getting this, people who are just, you know, if this is new to you guys, you guys want to really follow God. You guys really want to be as holy as, as God wants you to be. It's very important to leave the fellowship of evildoers. Okay. Do not hang around with evildoers. In, in this sense, it's like, leave me, you evildoers, so that I may comply with the commandments of God. So that implies that if you are in the fellowship of evildoers, you are hindered in, in complying with the commandments of God. Verse 116, sustain me according to your word that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Sustain me so that I may may be safe, that I may regard your statutes continually. You have rejected all those who stray from your statutes. Wow. There you go. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 right there. Away from me, you evildoers, you anomians, you who live like there's no law, you who live against the Torah. You have rejected all those who stray from your stat your your statutes. For their deceitfulness is useless. You have removed all the wicked of the earth like impurities. 
Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that day. Looking forward to that day, I tell you. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles from the fear of you. And I am afraid of your judgments. Ayin. I have done justice and righteousness. Done righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Keep in mind, this is in the, this is in the same age, if you will, of the scriptures that say the just shall live by faith, the righteous shall live by faith. But how did the, how does the righteous live by faith? By doing what is righteous. As again, the whole idea of faith in the in the original language in the Tanakh, in the original Hebrew, is amuna, which excuse me, which denotes faithfulness. So how do you have faith in the Lord? How do you have faith? How are you saved by faith? By your faithfulness in obeying the Torah. That's how you that's how you are. It's the Amuna. That's why I keep on pointing out Amuna as I go through this um, several times. It's talking about faithfulness, being faithful to God in obeying Him. That is the proper application and interpretation of the word faith. It's not just some mental ascension and that's all it is. It's not something that's just in your head or is something that you actually put into practice. I have done righteousness and faith in righteous, excuse me, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be a guarantor for your servant for good. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fail with longing for nation and for your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your graciousness and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have broken your law. Wow, that's another, that's another powerful one right there. You know what this, this, this implies? This implies judgment. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have broken your law. And you wonder why the the world is in such a bad state as it is in today. Well, you know why? Because they have the law of God. That's why. Plain and simple. Verse 127. Therefore, I love your commandments. There we go again. The delight. He delights in the commandments in the Torah. It's just all the way. It's just, it's just. A common thread all the way through this, actually, not just Psalm 119, but all the way through the Psalms and all the way through the Tanakh, by the way. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above pure gold. Therefore, I carefully follow your precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Pay. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul complies with them. The unfolding of your words gives light. 
It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine longing for the Torah like this? Can you, <laughs> you just imagine walking into a church and everybody's literally panting? So what's going on here? Man, we're, I mean, we're, we're just thirsty for the Torah. We're just thirsty for the commandments of God here. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is right for those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any wrongdoing power over me. Redeem me from oppression by man so that I may keep your steps. See, so the, the oppression of man can, can hinder your obedience. Make your face shine upon your servant. Teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. Sadi. You are righteous, Lord. Your judgments are right. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and, and great faithfulness. Since we're on a roll here, let's see what Psalm 138 says here in regards to faithfulness. Psalm 119, 138, I should say. It is Amuna. It's right there. It's Amuna. Quite amazing. See how see how intricate faith and the Torah is tied together here? The, the Torah and faith, Amuna, faithfulness, is tied together very tightly. Can't have one without the other. Verse 139, my zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Of course, in, in context, it's talking about the commandments. Your word. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. There it is again, loving, loving the, the Torah. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have come on upon me, yet your your commandments are my delight. Your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Cough. I cried out with all my heart. Answer me, answer me, Lord. I will comply with your statutes. I cried to you, save me, and I, I shall keep your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches so that I meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your faithfulness. Revive me, Lord, according to your judgments. 
Those who follow after wickedness approach, they are far from your law. You are near, Lord, and your commandments are truth. From long ago, I have known your testimonies, the testimonies of the Torah, that you have founded them forever. Resh, look at my affliction and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your law. See, so he, he, he invokes the fact that he remembers the Torah, and that's why God should rescue him. Verse 154, plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Of course, this implies that if uh, the righteous people actually seek the statutes of the Lord, statutes of the Torah. Great are your mercies, Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and loathe them because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Here we are again. Revive me, Lord, according to your faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness. Again, this is 159. Faithfulness. Oh, I see loving kindness here. So this is probably what chesed. So this is, uh, yeah, probably chesed, yes. Chesed, yeah. Verse 160, the sum of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous judgments is everlasting. Shin. Rulers persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word who, like one who finds great plunder. I hate and loathe falsehood, be, uh, but I love your law. Here we are again. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Those who love your law have great peace. Notice, I do have to say this because we have so much Pollyanism in the world, the word today. The world today, we have so much Pollyanity. It does not say those who love the Torah are cursed. It doesn't say those who love the Torah are burdened. And bound and you know lost their faith or lost their salvation doesn't say that. So those who love your law have great, great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. You want to have great peace, and nothing causes you to stumble. 
Here's a description from the Lord here. Love the Torah. 166. I hope, I hope for your salvation, Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies and love them exceedingly. You know, this here reminds me, the 166, I hope for your salvation, reminds me of what it says in uh, the New Testament, uh, you know, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Where Paul, even Paul talks like he doesn't, like he has yet to attain salvation. The way he talks. Verse 168, I keep your precepts. He doesn't say I try to. He doesn't say I can't do it. I can't keep, you know, I can't keep your Torah, the precepts and the testimonies of your Torah. He says, I keep your test your your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Tav or Tau. Let my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my pleading come before you. Save me according to your word. Let my lips pour out praise, for you teach me your statutes. This this is a reason to praise. It's a reason to rejoice. Let my tongue sing aloud for your word about your word for all your commandments are righteous. Let your hand be ready to help me for I have chosen your precepts. Why should why should God help him? Because he has chosen he's chosen the precepts of the Lord. I long for your salvation, Lord, and your and your law is my delight again. Let my soul live that it may praise you and your or, and let your ordinances help me. I have wandered. I have wandered about like a lost sheep. Search for your servant for I do not forget your commandments. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? There is a story that I heard. Some of you who, if you've been with me for a while, you know about the story of, it's a true story of a Jewish rabbi who who received a call from from a local monastery monk a monk one of the leading monks of the monastery called this Jewish rabbi and said rabbi i want you to come talk to me i need to talk to you about something he's like well what what's going on what's what's the matter well and I, I just want you to come up. Can you come over? Like, can you come down to the to the monastery? I want to talk to you. The rabbi's like, okay, sure, I'll I'll come over. So the rabbi went down to the monastery, and one of the leading monks of the monastery said that he prayed. He's read Psalm one nineteen every day for fifteen years. 
And he said, he said, Rabbi, do you know, do you know the longest chapter in the Bible? And the rabbi goes, Yeah, sure, I do. It's Psalm 119. He said, Yeah. He said, Rabbi, do you know what that psalm is all about? The rabbi said, Yeah, for sure, I know what it's all about. It's all about the Torah. He said, Yeah. He said, You know what it says about the Torah? The rabbi says, Yeah, I know exactly what it says about the Torah. It says it's more precious than gold, more beautiful than any of the finest of riches. It's sweeter than honey, desired more than anything else. It's just beautiful and desirable. So it's the, it's the greatest treasure on earth. And the monk says, yeah. The monk says, I've read this for 15 years, every day. And I can't, I can't do this anymore. And Rabbi's like, what's going on? He's like, well, it's, I thought to myself, if the Torah is this good, why aren't we doing it? Therefore, I want to convert. And the rabbi was very shocked. He's like, what, you want to convert? No, I mean, actually the rabbi wasn't really, you know, he's like, you know, what are you talking about? You want to convert? He said, yeah. He said, you know, I, I'm basically, I'm not getting my needs met here in, in the church. And this, it's a true story. And when I heard that story, I'm thinking, it's shameful for the church that one of the leading monks of that monastery had to call a Jewish rabbi to, to convert. That church should have met the needs of of that monk. That church should have put the Torah in its rightful place. And that monk would never have had to done that. That monk would never have had to call the rabbi and, and do all that. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a story. It's quite a story. So, um, let's see what we have here. Uh, actually guys, give me like, just give me like, like, I don't know, 15, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Just give me a second here. All right. Okay, okay, I'm back. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, let's see what we got going on here in the live chat. Cat Cool says, Shalom, Shalom, Cat Cool. Great to see you. Great to see you, Cat Cool. Welcome. Blessings. Tammy says, I'm so blown away. As soon as you read truth, the true path, all of them who like to, to fight you every day conveniently are not here. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that something? I kind of thought that too. I think, well, where's, where's all my, uh, you know, where's all the, uh, the, uh, the opposers here. Caballero says, I have read Psalm 119 many times and I love it. The entire chapter is wonderful. Yes, absolutely wonderful for sure. Will says, uh, does it seem as if we will one day speak in a heavenly language? What do you think, Brother uh, Shaul states that all tongues will cease? Um, very interesting question because I think that, you know, 
spiritually speaking, everybody speaks the same language. And you know, I know this. This is kind of getting off on a tangent and kind of talking like in a, in a, you know different uh, different topic. But you know, in in studying some of these, like I've done a lot of studies with people who have claimed, like what well, they said, the people who have clinically died and they've come back to talk about experiences that they've had. And you got people like, for example, a, 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 um, a reference, uh, a, a book as a book by Raymond Moody. Raymond Moody uh, has a book out about this kind of thing. And we have like different testimonies in there of people who claim to have, you know, they've come out of their body and this kind of thing, you know, when, when they, flatlined um people that can pretty much read like it's almost like reading thoughts you can read other people's thoughts um so like speech was like it's not like earthly right it's like it's a spiritual thing it's not so much like a physical thing it's just, it's a spiritual language so um yeah i think that's that speech will be the the language will be at a like a an exponentially greater level than what we have today on earth, any of the languages on earth. Um, heavenly language. I think that I would more like call it a spiritual language because perhaps you got people like, you know, in Luke chapter 16, where you got people that's, in torment as well as people who are in paradise and yet they can speak to one another. So there's communication. Um, that's what I believe. I believe that everybody will, will un, like the, the language that everybody speaks will be, will be understood by everybody else. But I don't, I don't, you know, I think that it's a spiritual language. I, I think it's more like you, you read people's thoughts kind of thing. Not so much like words, but thoughts, if you know what I mean. It's, it's hard for me to explain what, I, what I'm trying to say, but that's what I believe anyway. It's like impressions. Like you can give, like people will communicate that way. It's, it'd be much deeper, much more, a richer way of communicating as opposed to just, you know, communicating with a fleshly, you know, uh, tongue and lips. Uh, that's a very good, very good question, Will. Thank you for asking. BB says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, BB. Yeah, unfortunately, this, this is the idea. This is the point of view of most Christians today. One John says, uh, I asked you keep the law. And it's like, why? Uh, we are in the new covenant. Jesus uh, fulfilled the law for us. That's why he's the Messiah. Duh, he he shed his blood, so we are in the age of grace, no longer under the law. It is finished. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much, so much wrong with that. Right? It's just like, like, say what about a dozen different errors all in that in that one little that one little uh, sentence, a couple sentences. It's it's just so far removed from the truth. Deborah says, "I count seven times, David." I believe mentions how he delights in the law, Torah. You must ingest and wear it like a second skin. Wow, that's amazing, Deborah. Thank you for. You know, I, I, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't count uh, myself, um, but that's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. Tammy says the church is a great deception. Unfortunately, it's just, it's just saturated with it.
Going nowhere, uh, ask the question, is there a deeper meaning as to why Jesus cursed the fig tree? I do not believe in over-spiritualizing things. I understand. I, I've heard so many sermons about this over this past three decades of why, you know, the the whole idea of who the fig, fig tree represented or what the fig tree represented. I think it's just over-spiritualization, you know, so I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't get into too much about that. Um, and what I would do, uh, if you wanted to, what I would suggest is study that story um, up against the other gospels. Like, put take every gospel that mentions that story and put them side by side, because again, you can have a lot of differences there. Patrick over there on TikTok says, good day to you, Christopher. Many blessings to you. Thank you very much, Patrick. Great to see you and blessings multiplied back to you as well. Connor says, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? Connor says, why did God sacrifice God unto God uh, to save us from God? <laughs> what people need to do is people need to the church, uh, the leaders of the church and preachers and evangelists, they need to get back to the way it was in the first century, where the New Testament wasn't even canonized, if even you know, if even written at all, um, especially during the, the book of Acts, and just preach everything from the Tanakh. Preach everything from the Tanakh. Tammy asks, what does it mean in Daniel 12, the power of holy people is finally broken? You have a specific verse there, Tammy? Brick Train asks the question, do you know a good example of Jesus quoting the Apocrypha? It's all over. It's all over uh, in, in, in what Jesus uh, spoke of. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think in, we need to realize that the Apocrypha in the time of Jesus wasn't considered to be the Apocrypha. It, the word Apocrypha is more like, more like a post-New Testament um, edition by like... Um, You know, the Catholic and or Orthodox churches like added that word Apocrypha in there. Consider the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls are full of what you would call, quote unquote, Apocrypha. Um, but they didn't classify it as Apocrypha. They just, they classified it all as scriptures, just all scriptures. It's all like they put the Apocrypha books right alongside with all the other books, just like how we got here, the Septuagint. And this is basically what they had back in those days, the Septuagint with other, many other books. I mean, it's all over, uh, you know, um, once you understand, let's say, for example, the book of Enoch, it depends on, it depends on what you mean by Apocrypha too, because there are different Apocryphas. Uh, some people count the book of Enoch as Apocrypha. Some people count the book of Jubilees as Apocrypha. Some people count them as Pseudepigrapha. Uh, there are different Apocryphas for different churches. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to, it's a, what, you're, what you're asking is a very broad and ambiguous question. I mean, it's a, almost like everything 
um, not everything, but there's a lot of what Jesus spoke of is, is in the Apocrypha, so to, so to say, Apocrypha. Um, it's, all, it's all the way through the New Testament, too, not just uh, Jesus himself. And Jesus quoting the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. That's from the book of Enoch. Um, it's just it's just all the way through that. It's like, it, I feel like a like a like a little boy in the candy shop saying, you know, is there such thing as candy? It's all over. It's everywhere. One question for you, Brick Train: Have you ever studied the Apocrypha? Because I remember the first time I actually studied it, I went through it. It's like, wow, everything that I mean, it's like it's like over and over and over again. I'm like, that's that's right in the New Testament. That's 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 what Yeshua was talking about. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's what Paul was talking about. You know, you know, that's what Jude was talking about. That's what uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about. You know, like, for example, even even the uh, the. uh, they call it the armor of God is all from the Apocrypha. It's from the wisdom of Solomon. Um, it's it's just all the way through that. And don't fall for all this really stupid arguments against the Apocrypha because um, almost every argument that people use against the Apocrypha can be used against the New Testament if they're honest. Going nowhere says, I think it's safe to say the book of Enoch is your favorite apocryphal book. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that. I mean, the book of Jubilees is awesome too. I mean, the book of Jubilees, like for example, right here is the book of Jubilees. Um, this is the only book that I know of that says that the law came by the angels. And that's what, isn't that what it's, um, let me see here. We talked about this the other day. Acts chapter 7 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 talks about the law coming by angels. How did they know that? Only through the book of Jubilees. That's how they knew that. Yeah, so Brick Train, if you're reading the book of Jubilees now, okay, as you read it, like right from the very beginning, you think of like how it's all dictated by an angel. And then you read something like... um, Acts chapter 7, verse 53, who have received the law by the direction of angels. How did how did Luke know that? Well, obviously we know how he knew that the book of or the book of Jubilees. Uh, Paul says in Galatians 3:19 that the law was appointed through, through angels. Okay. You don't get that in the scriptures. It's not that's not told to us in the scriptures apart from the book of Jubilees. And we know that they knew the book of Jubilees back in those days. And the book of Jubilees was in circulation back in those days, as well as all the other books of of the Apocrypha, because they're all found in like at least the book of Jubilees, the book of Enoch and many other books of the Apocrypha are all found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predates the time of, of Jesus by hundreds of years. So we know that and they're all put together along with the rest of the other. Um, uh, books of the Bible too. So yeah, um, it's all there. It's all there. Brick train. If you, once you're done the book of Jubilees, I would suggest you go through the book of Tobit. Like again, 
when you ask me such a question, honestly, it's like, I don't know where to start because there's so much. Like if we go through, Lord willing, brick train, if you're still on, if you're still on board, on board the train, if you're with us, when we get to uh, some of the Apocrypha, like the Wisdom of Solomon, or like the Book of Tobit, or like, uh, you know, the, the, the Song of the Holy Children, or all these other ones, if you're with us, I'm going to be pointing out every single thing, just like how we did here in Psalm 119. I'm going to be pointing out every single thing of, you know, hey, Yeshua said this, Jesus said that, Paul said this, Jude said this, John says this, James says this, and, and you see it all it's all right there in front of you. You know that's where they got it from. The book of Tobit, for example. The book of Tobit tells you the story of the woman who had seven husbands. Jesus was talking about that story. That's from the book of Tobit. That's from the book of Tobit. Everyone, you know, you know the book of Tobit. You know that it was written and known and in circulation and everybody knew it back in those days. When, when, you, when, they, when Yeshua was talking to the Sadducees about that story, that's what he was talking about, the book of Tobit. Um, you know, it's lots of stuff like that. Lots and lots of stuff like that. One John's got a, a link up there. I uh, I'll have to go to a different place to get it here. Um, yeah, it's just like it's just so much. It's so much. Uh, referenced in in the in the in the uh, new testament from the from the apocrypha you know jude references the assumption of moses um uh yeah yeah brick train um if you follow that link what one john sent there is also there's a, you know that's a that's a good place to start also i'm sure the 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 uh the internet is full of a lot more different references than that. But I mean, what I personally, I haven't really went through like an article, like a Wikipedia article or anything like that. I just personally just read the, the Apocrypha myself many, many times. And every time I read it, I'm shocked at how much, of, you know, it's in the New Testament. It's a lot of it. It's so much. It's like, where do I start? <laughs> where do I start? Going nowhere asks the question, do you believe Moses wrote the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament? Um, perhaps not all of it. Okay, so uh, there's portions of it that, traditionally speaking, they believe that Joshua uh, wrote it, you know, um, like the passage of the numbers chapter 12 and in the end of Deuteronomy, these kind of things as well. So, um, yeah, most of it at least was under his direction, I believe. Brick, Brick train says, great. Thank you all. Thank you very much. Brick train for that question. And like I said, Brick Train, if you really want a good exhaustive study, stick around a little bit. And actually, it won't be that that much longer. Um, it won't be that much longer before we're actually in the Apocrypha. Uh, so once we get to the end of like the Book of Chronicles, we're pretty much right into the Apocrypha then. And so uh, we'll be talking about all this stuff, like lots of stuff. Actually, you know what? Let me say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a plug in for our brother Onia, okay? Here's a plug. 
it's a long, long video and it's not really, a, it's kind of like an audio. It's not really a video because he, he doesn't really have a video portion. He just posts his, um, Onia just has like a thumbnail up all the time. It's not like a video, but you can listen to it. It's on YouTube and it's called the web of the Apocrypha. Check that out. Okay. Highly recommended, you know, check out one John's link there when you, but you know, but it takes, it would take a while, excuse me, because I believe the web, the web of the apocrypha, let me just pull it up and I'll show you guys. So you know exactly what I'm, what I'm getting at here. Uh, okay. I'll show you how I will get there. Um, so if you go to YouTube and do a search for Dead Sea Scrolls Religion, okay, you'll pull up, this is Onia's channel, Dead Sea Scrolls Religion. Um, I would go into here, uh, I would go to his videos. You can also just go to, I, I actually, you can probably just search for Dead Sea Scrolls Religion, Web of the Apocrypha, Web of the Apocrypha. Web of the Apocrypha. Yeah, write this one here. I've, I've watched it many, many times. I can't even count how many times I watch this. Uh, uh, four hours, 42 minutes. It's almost five hours long. But in this video, okay, Onia goes through a lot of the Apocrypha and how it connects with all of the rest of the Bible. As you can just imagine, it's almost five hours long. It's a, it's quite a study, but Brick Train, if you are if you're very serious about studying this kind of thing, I would recommend going here. Check out this channel. Check out this this video, The Web of the Apocrypha, by Dead Sea Scrolls Religion. By the way, we'll we'll have uh, Onia with us on Friday as well. So on Friday evening, we will have Onia with us, Lord willing. I'm looking forward to that. By the way, that's an amazing the audio. The audio. Uh, I'm sorry, Oni, if you're watching, but the audio quality the audio quality of that video is not is not like the best, but uh, it's one of the best teachings you'll ever hear on the the apocrypha and how that connects with the rest of Scripture. It is amazing. Well done, Onia. I get this question I so often, so often, like, is self-defense biblical? Like, if if someone's... <sighs> One of the reasons why, you know, in a family, according to the scriptures, we have the man is to be a protector. So it's it's very important to be a protector, okay? You protect yourself, you protect others. So... You know, self-defense, that's quite ambiguous as well. We got to do whatever we can to maintain the peace. But sometimes we have to defend ourselves. I don't think there's a problem with that. I don't think God has a problem with that at all. As long as we don't go overboard. Someone asked me if, if I'm a Hindu. I, no, I'm not a Hindu on TikTok. 
Um, question for move says, do you think I should get a Hebrew, English, JPS, Tanakh, or Torah scroll? Yeah, um, that's a good one. That's, that'd be a good, that'd be a good, uh, definitely a good investment. Um, there was, where is it now? I still have it out here. This, there was, uh, we, a few months ago, we had, um, a rabbi Tovia with us and he gave four different links to what he recommended for Tanakhs to study. Uh, this was one of them. I'll leave that up for a few seconds and I'll show you the other three. Mario says, hello, Christopher. Hello, Mario. Mario. Great to see you guy. Blessings, blessings. I got, I got so much going on here. I got a podcast being uh, streaming live and streaming live on YouTube as well. Um, so that's one link. Here's another link. Okay. I'm sorry that it's not easily clickable, but you might want to come, you know, go back to the video here afterwards and pause it and, you know, write it down or whatever, or whatever you got to do. Um, and then there's another link here, this one here. And finally, Finally, we have this link right here. Um, I personally, I don't, I don't own those books at the moment. Lord willing, sometime in the future, I'm, I may. They seem to be awesome, very good books for studying, for studying the Tanakh. Jamie says, "How do I understand Ecclesiastes nine? There's a lot in there. Is there something specific that you're asking about?" Again, Lord willing, when the time comes, we will go through that entire book of, of Ecclesiastes word word for word. So we will get into everything. Um, that's actually not going to be that far away. Let me see. Less than two weeks from now, we'll, we'll be getting into the entire book of Ecclesiastes, going through every single word of that book. Yeah, the Jamie says uh, the living, the living know they shall die, but the dead uh, know not anything. Yes, again, um, the word know, like the way you look, the way you, the way you interpret this is like, does a man know a woman? It's like how Jesus said he didn't, you know, get away from you. I never knew you. Okay, does that mean that Jesus, like, he just, he just, he just doesn't know anybody? Like, he doesn't know most of the people that he, 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 uh, he rejects. He just doesn't know them. Is he? Is, is he like? He he he's that limited in knowledge. It's talking about intimately involved with. Okay, so if you are dead, no, you're not intimately involved with with the world at that time. Okay. Okay, so um, that's it for tonight. Tomorrow night we will be back, um, and we will be going through some more of the Psalms. Let me just see if we have. Actually, 1 Kings 3 to 4, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, Psalm 72, to name a few of them. Um, and we got the Song of Solomon. Again, the Song of Solomon being a very interesting book. All right, guys. So, um, that's it for tonight.
Again, tomorrow we will be continuing where, when we, where we left off today. On Friday, we will have Onia with us, and he is going to present to us uh, some of the uh, uh, corruptions in the scriptures. That uh, There's so many of them, but he's going to present a few of them. One John says, uh, I was taught that turn the other cheek only applied to, uh, to when you were teaching the word. I never heard that. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. Um, I understand it to be like a figure of speech, like do not take vengeance. Like the Lord says, uh, vengeance is mine. So it's just a figure of speech. It's not like you, you can't stand up for yourself and defend yourself. Because you see, like even in the book of Acts, for those of, you know, we have so many Paulians that we're dealing with, but you got, for example, if you're talking to a Paulian, you can say, look in the book of Acts, how Paul defended himself. He defended himself a lot. You know, it's my right. I'm a Roman citizen. Don't do this to me. You know, he didn't really turn the other cheek. Any, anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's so much, there's so much in the, in the scriptures. Uh, I, I, uh, I advise people again, not to be hyper literal. On the other hand, not to be overly, what do you call it? Like, um, like I said earlier, uh, to be like to be hyper spiritual about something either, and to be hyper literal is 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 not good. As we read read there earlier, that sometimes you got a word like days doesn't necessarily always mean day. It can mean a period of time, a year. It's like how generation, where it says in in the book, well, in this in this generation, you know the you know the you know this generation will by no means pass until all these things are fulfilled. Well. The word generation can mean the entirety of the human race. That's what it can mean. It doesn't mean just like, you get, then you get into all these different, uh, you know, false teachings, like, um, like 88 different reasons why Jesus will return in 1988. And it's based upon the idea that a generation is 40 years because it says in the scripture somewhere that a, that a generation is 40 years. And when you see the fig tree begin to blossom, then you, or when you see the, fig tree begin to blood or bud, I should say, um, it, that generation will by no means pass away until the Lord comes back. And so, you know, all of these things, you know, it, it's, it, it's, you get into a lot of error when you get into either hyper literalism or hyper spiritualism, right? So the word generation can mean an entire human race, okay? It's not fit 40 years, obviously. I mean, Jesus did not come back in 1988. Even though maybe some people still believe he did. I don't know. It's crazy. But anyway, um, same with days, how we read earlier. Days does not mean literal 24 hours all the time. It can mean that, but it, sometimes it might mean, it, may, it, can, it might mean an entire you know, light year of, <laughs> it can mean a lot of different uh, uh, things. Days can mean years, as we, as we just read earlier. Uh, so, and then you can, you can hyper-spiritualize anything, right? You can say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, he, uh, he went up the mountain to pray. Well, you can, you can, you can hyper-spiritualize it all. Everything you can hyper-spiritualize. Walking on the water. Pastors do that all the time in churches, right? This is how they preach their sermons. They take something like, you know, the story of Jesus, um, 
you know, turning water into wine. They hyper-spiritualize that. They say, well, what does this mean? Well, you know what? Let's not get too literal with it and let's not get too spiritual with it because you can go, you can go bad in either way. Anyway, guys, that's it for tonight. Thank you, as always, for joining. I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Caballero says, thank you for today's reading. See you tomorrow. Psalm 94 says, you can't just stand there and let people beat the crap out of you. One John says, thank you again for tonight. Blessings. Thank you. One John. Thank you. Psalm 94 and Caballero. You guys are awesome. Blessings multiplied to you. And as always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.